What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And on today's show, we are also joined by John Kegley, one of the original members of the show because we had to get into our what went right and what went wrong for the week. But first, this episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. Right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to stop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. We are three riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, Slam Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, it was such a crazy game recap yesterday that we didn't get to get into one of our staples of the week, and that is the what went right and what went wrong, where we take a deep look into just exactly why things went the way they did during the game on Sunday. So today there's a lot. Justin Herbert's probably going to pop up in both categories for what went right and what went wrong, but we're going to start with what went right this week and end with what went wrong. So at the end of the show, we can get into one thing that's on everybody's mind, and that is who should start going into week two, Tyrod Taylor, if he's healthy, or Justin Herbert. So I think you guys all know where we're going to go on that if you listen to yesterday's show. But we're going to start with the news of what actually happened to Tyrod Taylor that made him end up missing the game. It's a pretty weird story there. And also, we got an update on Brian Bulaga and found out that there's a safety visiting the Chargers that they could potentially try to bring in to fill in for Rayshon Jenkins, who was also injured. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday, we found out the circumstances that quarterback Tyrod Taylor couldn't play, and the Chargers also brought in a former player for a workout. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. One of the storylines across the NFL this weekend was the fact that Tyrod Taylor was scratched from the Chargers game against the Kansas City Chiefs minutes before kickoff, which is something that you just don't see in the NFL very often. At first, it seemed as if something had happened to him in his pregame workouts, but it was actually something a little bit more strange and something very serious sounding. Tom Pellicero reported that Chargers quarterback Tyrod Taylor missed Sunday's game because he experienced complications from a pregame injection that was administered to address a rib injury. So, This is something you don't see very often, a player trying to get something to help them with the pain and having that end up making them miss the game. But this ended up letting Justin Herbert get in. But now, David, after one of the weirdest things that I've seen in a while, having a quarterback scratch that late and getting an unexpected first start from Justin Herbert, we know a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. It seemed like it was only a matter of time before some more information was going to come out about this Tyrod Taylor injury. See, Tyrod Taylor popped up on the injury report late in the week on Friday with a rib injury. And going into this game, you know, there wasn't very much concern because he was a full participant. Everybody in the Chargers organization was expecting him to be able to go out there and play. Per Ian Rappaport, Tyrod Taylor was planning to wear a flak jacket to protect those injured ribs while he played in this game. And he was going to get that injection so it would help take away the pain so he can go out there and perform at his best. Unfortunately, 
Also, per Ian Rappaport, there were some complications with that injection, and Tyra Taylor was taken to the hospital and was not able to play in this game. Anthony Lynn said his status for this Sunday's game is currently unknown at this time. Yeah, and I think that's what every Chargers fan is wondering right now, and that is if Tyrod Taylor is going to be ready to play this weekend because Anthony Lynn reiter- reiterated his comments today that Tyrod Taylor will be the starter when he's healthy, saying that Justin Herbert was a backup for a reason. And he also seemed a little bit frustrating, saying it's not like we won the damn game last time I checked. So he's tired of being asked that question, but I think it's a very fair question to be asked. But we did also get some good news on the injury front because Pelissero also reported that an MRI showed that Chargers right tackle Brian Bulaga's ligaments are intact after he left Sunday's game with a knee injury, which is great news for the Chargers. But their second round man, Trey Pipkins, ended up filling in admirably, but Bulaga is one of the most important pieces of the Chargers offensive line. The one guy we didn't really get an update on was strong safety Rayshon Jenkins, who went down with a groin injury in Sunday's game. And right now, David, it's still kind of up in the air what's going on with that. Yeah, definitely don't know a lot about Rayshon Jenkins' injury. All The only thing we do know is that he did leave that game on Sunday against the Chiefs, and he did not return. So his status seems up in the air, and the Chargers seem pretty concerned about it, and they should be because if someone else in that safety group gets injured, then the Chargers are going to be forced to throw out rookie sixth-round pick Alohi Gilman and shuffle a couple of pieces around, and right now that's definitely not something that they want to do. So Anthony Lynn did confirm in this press conference that Jalil Adai was brought in for a visit and that they were going to talk. That does make a lot of sense because Jalil Adai has experience in the Chargers' defensive system, and he could definitely help them as a strong safety. He was a physical player in the box, did make some good tackles there. So if they put him in the right position, he could definitely have some success. The guy who came in when Rayshon Jenkins did go out with an injury was Desmond King, and Desmond King had some comments about that. He was not very happy that it took an injury to get him into that spot. He was not happy at all about it. First, he said that they should have won that game, He also said, I'll continue to do my job, and I'm going to need answers real soon. His other tweet was, is there a reason I'm not on the field? Some people want to know. So that's definitely not something you want to see from a Chargers player. Obvious public discontent with the coaching staff, and Anthony Lynn talked about it in his press conference today and said if someone in our building wants answers, they know where to get them. They might not like the answers that they get. He also called the comments by Desmond King disappointing. There's an obvious rift between this coach and this player, and it started with him being suspended last year for a game and also the Chargers bringing in Chris Harris Jr., who has replaced him in the slot for most of the season. But so far, he's played in 59% of the snaps. He also played very well on Sunday, but right now the Chargers don't really have a choice to play him. He's their best option at strong safety. He played well there over the weekend, but this is definitely something we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to be getting into what went right and what went wrong at the end of the show. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you're having any kind of car issues and you need a part, there's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stalk all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront 
why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer and they might not even have the part when you can just get it delivered directly to your door with rockauto.com. They have the best inventory and they also have the best prices. Whether you're a mechanic or just a daily driver, you know you are getting the best prices with rockauto.com. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts of it they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, well, now it's time to get into one of our patented segments of the week, and that is what went right in the Chargers game against the Chiefs. And obviously, a lot goes wrong when you blow a late lead to the Chiefs like the Chargers did over the weekend. But just to be in that game and having a really good shot to win that game there at the end is something that went right for the Chargers. And I think it all starts for me with Justin Herbert because going into this game, none of us really gave the Chargers a chance to win this game. And as soon as Justin Herbert came in, led the team down the field for a touchdown, which is something that Tyrod Taylor didn't get until the fourth quarter against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was more Joshua Kelly than it was Tyrod Taylor. I think it has to start there, John, with the what went right part of it. The Chargers draft a quarterback with the sixth overall pick, and no one really knew what to expect for him from him, especially given the situation of him not knowing he was going to start in this game. When you look at his numbers, 67% completion percentage, throwing for 311 yards, getting a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. Obviously, he made some rookie mistakes and one was very costly at the end, but there was a lot of things that he did right as well. Yeah, and according to Austin Eckler, he was very impressed with how Herbert was checking out of plays and calling his own protections and stuff like that. So for someone that we keep saying we don't think he's ready, we should just keep Tyrod in the game until like week 13. He showed a lot of readiness in this game. I think that's something that you got to put as a what went right. He was ready. He had done his game film study. He was not supposed to start that game, but yet he was still ready and prepared and was making all the audible calls. And that made a big difference in completing third down conversions, moving the ball up and down the field, and keeping your defense rested. <clears throat> and keeping your defense rested. And a big thing that has to be said is. What went right this week is good play calling that kept the drives alive. Definitely. You didn't see you didn't see any stupid plays like Tyrod Taylor doing a read option on a fourth down, <laughs> stuff like that. Like they actually used Josh Kelly. Justin Herbert actually audible and used the tight ends and was actually looking around the field making his reads on those good play calls. So over overall, the whole offense actually looked smooth all that being said. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there is some specific throws in that game that were really exciting to me. Plays that you guys all saw. It was the touchdown pass in the back corner of the end zone, looking the safety off and opening up that small window and then just firing a shot flat-footed over there. There was also the third and 10 to Keenan Allen getting drilled and just throwing it on the line in between two defenders for a 25-yard first down. There was the third down throw to Austin Eckler where he lofted it just with a perfect touch for Austin Eckler to get under it and make a play on the ball on third down. I mean, he had a lot of really good ones, but one that goes in line with what you were talking about is one where it was a second down and he checked and knew there was some pressure coming. He knew he had to kind of get it out. The pressure starts coming, gives a little pump fake on second down, ends up throwing a really nice pass 
to Hunter Henry for a first down as well in tight coverage with guys all around him. And I think he just never looked surprised. He didn't look shook by anything that happened, even the plays where he was taking big hits. He didn't look like he let it affect him at all. And I think that's all part of the things that went right for the Chargers over the weekend. But my second thing would just be this patchwork offensive line playing exceptionally well against a very, very good Chiefs defensive line. I mean, Chris Jones, you also have Frank Clark coming off the edge. Trey Pipkins had to fill in for a lot of this game and with for Brian Bulaga, and you didn't hear his name really mentioned at all, and that's always a good thing. He came in and was very impressive. Sam Devy had uh, some embarrassing moments, but... Overall, Forrest Lamp played well. Dan Feeney played well. Trey Turner was actually one of the worst linemen on Sunday, and I expect him to really get going going forward. I'm not super worried about that yet, but David, you can give me what you thought went right in the game, but I had to make a mention of that offensive line because it played very well. Well, and also, we've absolutely destroyed this Chargers offensive line, and our expectations for this Chargers offensive line were understandably very, very low, but through two games. Which is crazy considering that Sam Tevy and Trey Pipkins were out there. It's not like they have new guys. I mean, these are guys we've seen fail in the past, go out there and be very productive against the same teams we've seen them struggle against in the past. Right, which makes this even more impressive. And also, I think it has to point to James Campen as well. I think you got to give him some credit for getting these guys ready to play and coaching them a different way to where it seems like it's starting to sink in for these guys. So that is definitely encour- encouraging, and hopefully we see that going forward. But I'm going to flip things over to the defensive side, and I think we can't even mention this defensive performance without starting with the phenomenal resurgent of Jerry Tillery. I just loved everything I saw from Jerry Tillery on Sunday. Another very active game, two QB hits, a blocked extra point, getting tons of pressure. He was very active. He was all over the field on Sunday. His presence, his footprint, his stamp was definitely on this game, Daniel, and I think he impacted the game in numerous ways. You got to love the the upward progression you're seeing from Jerry Tillery, hopefully he's able to keep this going, but man, he looked really good on Sunday against the Chiefs. He did, and obviously after week one, you're a little bit hesitant. You want to see a little bit more because consistency, I mean, even going back to his college days, was always the thing that you're going to have to unlock from him. And through two games, he's played very well, and I think it's going to be very important for this Chargers team, especially since Anthony Lynn did say today that he thinks that Justin Jones's injury to his shoulder might be more severe than Brian Bulaga. So he might be missing a few weeks. There could even be an IR designation soon because he only had to be gone three weeks to be put on IR. So we'll see what happens with that. But this Chargers entire defensive line, for the most part, as far as making Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable, especially early on in the game, was really, really good for the Chargers. And the Chargers defense kept them in the game. And I know that people were saying late in the game, you know, the Chargers defense was getting tired, but they did have a 10-minute drive from the Chargers offense. So I think going forward for them, it's going to be continuing to get that pass rush even late into games. But the defensive line played well. I thought the secondary played well for the most part. Even Michael Davis was playing pretty well, John. So I think what went right has to go to the defense as well for Sunday's game. And this is what we expect from this defense as well. We were even saying in the offseason, this defense is going to keep this team in games, and it's up to the offense to make the plays. And to the offense's credit, they almost won this game. I mean, 
besides settling for a field goal instead of a touchdown in the end, you had your chance at winning this. All you needed was another Bengals miracle of the Chiefs missing a 58-yard field goal, and you walk off with another win. But you know, for some reason, people make 58-yard field goals but miss 31-yard field goals. <laughs> but the defense was swarming Patrick Mahomes. I'll save some other comments on this for the what went wrong. Sure. There's some stuff that they did that, stri- that the defensive line did that kind of cost us this game. But they were swarming and they were in Patrick Mahomes' face even to start the game. Those guys were hungry and they were ready. And as you mentioned, Michael Davis, wow, he was like toe for toe with Tyreek Hill. That is not easy to do. That guy is probably the fastest player in the NFL. And he was toe to toe with him knocking balls away from him. There was just the one play that Tyreek Hill beat the Chargers in that touchdown, but for the most part, you kept that guy silent. You kept a lot of their stars silent in this game. Patrick Mahomes had to actually take off and run to win this game because you shut down all their weapons. Yeah, you did for the most part. I mean, even the play that he beat them on, Chris Harris Jr. wasn't in terrible position. There's one quarterback in the league that can make that throw. There's one team in the league in my perspective, that beats the Chargers in that game given those circumstances. And that's a team that has a miraculous quarterback and a team that has a you know kicker with a rocket attached to his leg that just drills 58-yard field goals over and over again. So I heard him say in his pregame warm-up he was hitting it from 67 or something ridiculous like that. So it was an unfortunate set of circumstances. But another thing, offensively, the Chargers did very well. And I think it's because of how well Justin Herbert played as well. And that is running the football, David. 44 attempts for 183 yards. This offense looked very balanced. They were picking it up in short yard situations for a lot of the game. I mean, Austin Eckler was really good on the ground in this one. 16 for 93, a 5.8 average. The running backs also caught the ball very well in this game, too. But the Chargers have been very committed to running the football. 39 attempts week one, 44 attempts week two. And this week, they were a little bit more efficient, getting 4.2 yards per carry. And most yeah. of those runs were straight up the middle, not running sideline to sideline. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, John. But, I mean, I just think they ran the football better as a whole. I mean, in, in this game, they got several people involved. Even Justin Herbert, when he touched the ball on his four carries, was efficient. I mean, I, I think he had a five yard was about running about five yards a carry as well. I honestly would have liked to see him run the ball a little bit more, and we're going to get into that in the what went wrong section as well. But, yes, that was one of my keys for success as well. Or one of my, my wins in this game was running the football. They did a very good job of that. It really helps the offense keeps things balanced. Uh, you heard Anthony Lynn in his press conference say that he wanted 45 rush attempts in this game. Well, they got awfully close to that with 44. Yeah, yeah. So uh, really good uh, sticking to the plan for, from the head coach. And uh, this is definitely going to help. I mean, it, it helped the Chargers keep their offense on the football field, helped them control the game. They definitely dominated the time of possession. And running the football this effectively was definitely one of the reasons why. Yeah, and it was a good game plan. It really limited the possessions, especially in the second half, and gave them a chance to win the game right there. So running the football is really what's keeping this team going right now and what made this offense look so good in combination with a quarterback that can actually do whatever he has to do to convert on some of those third-down opportunities and use the entire field so that you have to account for the entire field 
defensively, but I think it's really going to be a test when the Chargers get down big in a game. If they're you know able to continue to run the ball or if they panic and start to throw it all over the field. But we do have one more segment to get into because we have to get into what's went right, into what went wrong with our expert John Kegley coming up right after this. But I'll tell you another thing that went right, and that was me ordering some Built Bars, the best protein bar on the planet. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar now has 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp. Right now, and all the bars are 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. All the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. You're not going to get a better, more delicious, and healthy treat than Built Bars. And right now, you guys can even get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, it's time to get into the final segment of the day before we get into our final thoughts on who should be the starter for the Chargers going into week three. But of course, as we always do in this segment, we start with our resident expert on all things wrong. And we'll probably have some music to play for this segment at some part, making fun of John Kegley for being so pessimistic. No, I'm just kidding. But John, there is a lot. I'm not. We need to make that happen. I'm I'm serious. (laughs) Oh, it's going to happen at some point. Don't worry about that. But Obviously, a lot went right, but when you lose a game the Chargers lost, I mean, to do it the way they did, obviously, it took some special circumstances by the Chiefs and a lot of crazy plays by them, but what stood out to you the most in this game as far as what went wrong? Definitely bonehead decisions or bonehead plays, like constantly going offsides on the defensive line. Joey Bosa. Oh, my God. So many of them. Like, Bosa, I get. He's hungry. He. He tries to really get that head start on the line. So in my mind, he gets one free pass a game. If he got one offside a game, I would not call it against him. But once he gets the second or the third one in each in the game, it's like, okay, now you got you to reel this back now, dude. Especially Melvin Ingram, when he got his, it was like third and six, and you feel like you had a good chance, and then oh, offsides, now it's third and one, and there's a first down for the Chiefs. You're starting to just give away the yards. And then there's the bonehead play by Herbert where you obviously have a first down sitting right in front of you. Just run two yards and you got it. You've had extra room for more yards. And what do you do? You overdo it and you throw it into triple coverage for an interception. Bonehead play. And then bonehead decision, Anthony Lynn. It was fourth and one in overtime. You have nothing to lose. It's the Super Bowl champs. Go all in for it. And instead, you punt the ball, and yet you're going to sit here and say, oh, but if Tyrod was in, we probably would win because last I checked, we lost this game. No, this is a coaching error, not a quarterback error. I absolutely hated that, John. I cannot believe that they thought it was okay, like it was the right decision to give the ball back to that offense after they started to get into the rhythm. It really took them like almost four quarters for them to get – in sync and for them to get rolling and right when they do so you decide to give the ball back to them I just I don't understand that that decision it makes no sense to me they absolutely should have went for it they went for it two other times in the football game was successful on one of those I just can't understand why they didn't go for that you got to stay you got to keep your offense on the field you got to go for the win that definitely did not happen in this one and I don't understand why the thing is is that when you look at the whole game I even told you guys, when halftime happens, things are going to change. 
And you started seeing the Chargers offense like start to not be as effective and our defense, the Chiefs started figuring them out a little bit and they started gaining that momentum and offense, as you mentioned, David. And it's come to a point where you're just like, okay, they figured it out. The Chiefs know what to do now. If you have the chance, you need to go all in for the win because they're probably going to win the game regardless. And when it came to overtime, it was that situation. It's fourth and one. It's not like it's fourth and six or something where you're like, okay, you know, this is kind of a stupid call. Maybe play your play the odds. It's fourth and one. Take your shot. You got to have some kind of a play that gets the tight end open. You got to be a smart coach. This was a big game. This wasn't some meaningless game against the Saints. This was a division rival who's probably going to win the division championship. You needed this game. Yeah, and I guess I would only say that the Chargers' offense was still effective in the second half, and they just didn't finish with touchdowns. I mean, I think that also had to do with some play calling as well. I mean, they did have a you know drive that took up almost 11 minutes of the game. I mean, they were moving the ball, they were converting, and then they had a really, really bad trip to the red zone. And I guess some of that could be adjustments, but I thought a lot of that was play going because the Chargers were still moving the ball well. But what I do think is this NFL is different these days, and Anthony Lynn thinks of himself as an aggressive coach, and you saw him go for it twice on fourth down just in the first half alone, and they ended up picking up one of them and didn't convert on the other one. But Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona was up 20 and went for it on fourth and one in his own territory because the odds just favor you that way. I mean, if you give it back to them, they have a chance to get points. If you convert it, they don't have a chance to get points at that point. And it's only one yard. You go for it right there. And I just don't see what the difference is between trying to go for two and going completely all out for the win with two yards to go. Well, guess what? You could have a chance to go for the win by only getting one yard in this game. Daniel Popper tweeted out that they're actually given metrics on which coaching decisions ended up the worst of the week. And Anthony Lynn's decision to punt it right there ended up giving the Chargers a 6.9% more of a chance to lose the game by punting that ball right there. So I definitely think that was something that went wrong in this game. I think right you had you were playing with house money at that point. You have to go for the win there. It's only one yard. Mike Williams has to run a better route right there. That was another thing that went wrong for the Chargers. But alas, let's get into the next part of what went wrong. And for me, David, I think it has to be Patrick Mahomes scrambling the ball. I mean, it has absolutely murdered the Chargers every time they play the Chiefs. And once again on Sunday, that was the biggest issue. The Chargers were getting a good pass rush, but they were not keeping contained. The Chargers were playing more man coverage, meaning the DBs are all running with their backs to the quarterback and there is somewhat of a trade-off there. I mean, if you're playing man-to-man coverage, you're probably not going to have the guys hanging out in the middle of the field to go make a play on it. But it was so devastating. That third and 20 play was just so crucial. And almost every scoring drive from the Chiefs had a third down converted with Patrick Mahomes' legs. And it's just enough to try to compete with his arm. You can't let him do that with his legs as well. I feel like you're in my head, Daniel, because that was definitely one of my what went wrongs for this game. Six rushes, 54 yards. That's good for nine yards a touch. That is absolutely unacceptable. It can't happen. It it just it crippled the Chargers several times in this game. He ran, I mean, hey, uh, like you said, you got to trade off right. I mean, you, you got to make some sacrifices, but you also got to make some adjustments on this front of it too. I mean, you see him successfully do this once or twice. You got to start making some adjustments so this doesn't happen going forward. They just did not do that, which kind of leads me to my other what went wrong. The Chargers got some good pressure on Patrick Mahomes, 
but they only got one sack. And that was one of my keys for success last week was that you got to get more pressure and you got to bring Patrick Mahomes down. The, the previous opponent against the Chiefs only had one sack. The Chargers only got one sack in this game. You got to get more. You got to get Mahomes on the ground a lot more if you're wanting to win this game, or you got to get more turnovers. That did not happen. Neither one of those things happened. Got to wrap up Mahomes. I know it's easier said than done, Daniel, but it's got to be done. Another thing to mention with that is the Chargers lost contain on Mahomes so many times with him getting out of that pocket that you just don't even have a chance at a sack. And I think when you have a scrambling quarterback like that, there has to be some kind of containment, even if it means slowing down the pass rush and just keeping them in the pocket and just slowly getting there. Because there was a lot of times that the Chargers defense did perfect coverage. You could have got a coverage sack. But those guys were flying in there so out of control. There was running lanes for Mahomes so many times. There were so many times he escaped out of the pocket easily, including up the middle, like that third and 20 that we mentioned. And Melvin Ingram should have had the middle right there, and instead he took a side, and that's when Mahomes took off running. you got to contain a running quarterback. It was just brutal. I mean, if you have to use a spy and give up somebody in coverage, I mean, that's what you have to do, especially in you know certain situations. I think third and 20 is one of those situations where you have to have somebody sitting back there ready for him to try to scramble on the Chargers just didn't do it, and I mean, it absolutely cost them probably the game. I mean, if he doesn't scramble, that's the game right there. And I think you didn't even really need the sacks in the first half. You just needed to not let him scramble. I mean, even if you're making him throw it away, you have to make him do something besides scramble because the Chargers were flatly putting him on his back. They were affecting his throws. I mean, that's really all you can ask for. You're not always going to get him down. They did enough. They just had to keep contained, and they just did not do that, and it really was a major impact and one of the main reasons they lost this game. But one of the other things that went wrong after the Chargers game was head coach Anthony Lynn saying that if Tyrod Taylor is 100% healthy, then he will be the Chargers starting quarterback. So just by putting that in my what went wrong, so you guys already can see my stance on it and I'll get into my argument for it at the end of this. But David, I'll start with you on this one. Should the Chargers be starting Tyrod Taylor in week three? Oh man, I mean, it's <laughs> this situation sucks because I was one of those guys that definitely said that Tyrod Taylor should be the starting quarterback for the Chargers for the majority of this year because I thought that Justin Herbert was not ready. I just thought there was too many obstacles in front of him, and there's just not enough time on the football field for him to get prepared and get ready. But my stance on that has changed, and how could it not? I mean, you got to give the kudos to the kid being ready, being uh, you know being able to go out there and perform the way that he did over 300 yards passing. I mean, some phenomenal throws, poise, checks. I mean, all that's veteran quarterback stuff. That's a veteran quarterback type of performance. I just love the biggest difference for me between Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert was the tempo. I just felt the, the energy and the tempo just a much better pace with Justin Herbert under under center. The offense just seemed to be humming a little bit better. A lo- I mean, it, they just looked like a more explosive offense. So for those reasons, I say that right now, Justin Herbert should be the starting quarterback of the Chargers. It's because he gives the Chargers the best chance for them to win football games on Sundays. And that was my argument, too, is, I mean, at the beginning, I thought that with Justin Herbert coming in as a pretty raw prospect, even for a guy who played four years in college a little under with injuries, I thought that he would just be 
totally detrimental to the team's chances at winning. But he would bring some explosiveness to the offense. I just didn't think it would look like what it did on Sunday. But I'm willing to live with the rookie mistakes to get the trade-off of how much better the Chargers offense looked on Sunday. But, John, who are you starting week three if you're the Chargers? I don't know. It's tough for me because this was one game. Just like Tyrod's game was one game. There's so many factors that go into this. Like The Chiefs had no game film or a game plan for Herbert. Everybody expected Tyrod Taylor to start that game. So with the Chiefs not having the game plan for it, it kind of gives Herbert a free pass to do what he wants. But now with game film, what's he going to be like against the Panthers? Is he going to just have like a night and day performance? Is he going to be the same player? With Tyrod not having training camp and all this stuff, is he going to have a much better game if he starts? It's, it's really tough going back and forth, but I'd have to say I'd go with Herbert because I felt there was more energy with this team when he was playing. You could just see the offense look like they were more alive and having fun. And I think you need that with this kind of team, especially since Derwin James on the defense brought that kind of energy. Now you have someone like that since that brings that kind of energy since Phillip Rivers has gone and was the guy that brought that energy. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to be on both sides of the fence on this one. I flatly think that the Chargers are doing their team a disservice if they do not have Justin Herbert out there next week and for the rest of the season. Because what are you going to tell Keenan Allen when he goes back to four receptions for 37 yards? What are you going to tell the rest of this offense who produced and put up numbers with Justin Herbert that they weren't able to put up with Tyrod Taylor? And I'm just so sick of people acting like a win is a win and a loss is a loss. I get all of those things. But if you watch a lot of football, I mean, this Chargers fan base came out more inspired in a loss about the Chargers chances this season with Justin Herbert than they did in a win against the Bengals that they shouldn't even have had. I mean, Anthony Lynn's argument of, you know, basically one quarterback turned the ball over and lost one, didn't turn the ball over and won, the Chargers should have lost that game. It was a pass interference in the end zone that won them that game and made them attempt that 31-yard field goal that Randy Bullock missed. I'm tired of it. I mean, it's just not the same. The Chargers put up almost 500 yards of offense, and the Bengals' defense wasn't good. We talk about game plans. Well, guess what? Every team out there has a game plan for Tyrod Taylor, and it works exceptionally well, and it causes him to not lead an explosive offense, which is something that he's never been able to do. Right now, the spirits of this team, I think, ride with it. Justin Herbert. What he was able to do for them, him putting his body on the line and taking some big shots for them, him doing everything it took to try to win that game. This team is better with Justin Herbert at the quarterback. If Anthony Lynn is willing to put his guy, Anthony Tyrod Taylor, in there at the expense of this team winning games and at the expense of his players being able to put up numbers in this offense looking good, I think that's absolutely patently ridiculous. And I got to call out Anthony Lynn and the Chargers fan base on this because I've been reading a lot of Facebook posts and I keep seeing a lot of fans that sound exactly like Anthony Lynn saying, well, Tyrod won us a game. How about just letting him start till he loses the game? Yeah, all you're doing is looking at one stat. For the sake of your life, either turn in your football card or just stop commenting on Facebook because you need to learn to look at the game film and look at what's going on in these games. The Chargers should have lost that Bengals game. There was the overthrow to A.J. Green. There was a pass interference in the end zone, as Wade mentioned, with a missed field goal that could have sent this game to overtime. And the defense was really tired against the, in that Bengals game. You thought they were tired against the Chiefs. They were even more tired against the Bengals. 
the Tyrod offense was strictly a in the middle of the field offense, and once you shut that down, Tyrod shut down. Herbert actually made his progressions and actually kept the, the game alive in that loss. He played the Super Bowl champions and almost won, whereas Tyrod played probably the worst team in the league for the second consecutive year and almost lost. It's night and day. You can just look at 1-0 and versus 0-1, but it's way more than that. I just don't know how you can go in there and tell your team that you're committed to winning games by putting Tyrod Taylor out there. I mean, I'm sure he will win some games this season, but I think it was very clear cut on Sunday. There's one quarterback on this team that gives you the best chance to win. You didn't have a shot against Kansas City with Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback. Did you have a chance to potentially keep it close? Maybe if you ran the ball exceptionally well, but guess what? Justin Herbert just showed you he doesn't need to only rely on the running game. He has the ability to, when he needs to, put the team on his back, make a big conversion, and he was still playing well at the end of that game. That throw he made in overtime was a good throw on a bad route. Let's not act like Justin Herbert just totally faded and crumbled away towards the end of that game. He didn't look phased by a single thing that happened. He went toe-to-toe with the Super Bowl champs and didn't flinch, as Anthony Lynn likes to put it. So I think it's crazy to think that he shouldn't be the Chargers quarterback for this season. He has your future in his hands. Get him that experience now. The offensive line is holding up for him, even against good pass rushes. All the big hits he took were him scrambling out of the pocket. And guess what? That's how you learn in this league. You throw that interception. That's how you learn in this league. Let this kid go out there. Let this Chargers fan base be excited. Give your team the best chance to win. Let your players have the best chances to produce. If not, it's not a good coaching move by Anthony Lynn. It would be in the long list of things that he he has screwed up. His loyalty to some of these players and keeping them as, as starters has to stop if this team wants to take the next step. And I'm just not convinced if he puts Tyrod Taylor out there that this organization is really committed to that. Dean Spanos, if you want to do something, make the call. That kid should not be coming out of the game. All right, well, that is my tirade on the Tyrod versus <laughs> Justin Herbert thing. And I just also want to put it, I feel terrible for Tyrod. You never want to see a player go out there and get hurt. I feel bad that he hasn't had the opportunities and that this happened to him in Cleveland as well. All of that sucks. And I'm the first one to admit it. But if you're the Chargers head coach, you have one thing to do. Get your team ready for the future and give your team the best chance to win now. And Justin Herbert gives you both of those things. And he showed it in just one game. But I could be overreacting of one game. He could go out there and look terrible. And we all still have to wait and see. But I think it was pretty clear which one of those two quarterbacks gives this team the better chance to win over the weekend. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Tomorrow we want to get into some fan voicemails. And we'll let you guys sound off on the subject. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify and rating and reviewing. We would really appreciate it. If you guys want to be that voice on the Locked On Chargers voicemail line, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But that is the end of this super long show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.